0: Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, The Friendships of Paul, and it is part of the Awesome Friendship Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Stretch. So we need to. Today is friend day at Bethany, so we need to. Uh, got to practice. So I want you you stand there, and we got to. You got to practice turning to others. So I want you to the left. Okay. No, don't turn your. Keep your hips in place. You, we'll, we'll practice that later. Okay. To the right. Stretch. Okay. Now turn your whole body. To, to, the, to the right, and stretch out your hand. That's, that's a handshake stretch. N- now turn to the left and do the same thing. Stretch out your hand so you're... Uh, you're okay, I didn't say talk to one another. <laughs> you're all talking. We'll practice the vocal cords later. We'll stretch them later. Now turn all the way around and stretch out your hand. Practice that. Move. Okay. Okay, ushers, do you have those cards ready? Those cards ready? Pass out the cards. You're going to get a card. You don't need to look at it now, but you're going to look at it later. And after you get your card, you can be seated. Amen. It's going to be fun today. Friendship day. Friend day at Bethany Community Church. And, uh, you know, we're talking about cultivating and friendship is about cultivating and negotiating it's cultivating and negotiating there's some things i'm going to preach today that some of you because you're you're a little bit judgmental you're going to get rid of your friends you're going to say i got to get rid of some people (laughs) because don't do that don't do that unless it's hannibal lecter and it you know because 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 you know a hannibal lecter can come on like a very caring and sensitive person you know he was a gourmet cook and He was a a very nice guy, you know, but he wanted to eat you. (laughs) So there are people like that. There are a few people like that in the world that you need to get rid of. You need to cut ties with, right? Um, But most people aren't like that. Friendship is about about cultivating and, and, and negotiating. So think of that when I preach today, when I talk about these attributes of a good friend... Don't think about well. I got to get rid of him and her and them. Don't think about how can I start cultivating a better relationship, which begins with you being that kind of friend. It begins with you being the kind of friend. That's the first step in cultivating. You, you look in the mirror and say, "Am I that kind of friend?" Negotiating is important. A good example is uh, Steve Johnson over here, and uh, Joy's not here today, so I can go. I can really tell this well because she's not here, but Steve, the other night, he texts me because he's from Oklahoma. We're, we're the same age, and, and we're born 90 miles apart, and he's in Oklahoma, Texas, so we share a lot of cultural uh, 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 stuff, and so he texts me the other night and says, Joy just fixed this tremendous Texas chili. It's so good, and I texted him back. I said, too bad I'm not in an awesome friendship with someone who cooks tremendous Texas chili, and I was, at, I was actually out to dinner with, with Sherry and Elise, and I thought, I looked, you know how those texts come up? It looked like he said, get over it. <laughs> get over yourself, I'm sorry, get over yourself. Later I read it, it said, get over here. <laughs> So what I'm, what is, I said that is I'm, I'm cultivating. I'm teaching Steve how to be an awesome friend. He doesn't quite have it yet. He thinks he thinks just reporting great Texas chili is a great friendship gesture. But he needed to have put it on me on the calendar, right, right. So so we're we're developing. So. So that's an example of negotiating friendships. So we're, we're talking about what you may need to do after this sermon is you may need to renegotiate some of your friendships. Start renegotiating. You don't want to get rid of people. Or you, believe me, we don't have enough friends that we can afford to get rid of them. Uh, Charles Swindoll tells the following story. An old Marine Corps buddy of mine, he says, I don't know if you knew who Charles Swindoll is. He's a great, he's, in he is a Texas preacher, he, tried to start a church in Massachusetts and he failed. And he has since become a very well known speaker and a lot of went to California and now he's in Frisco, Texas. He says this story, though An old Marine Corps buddy of mine, to my pleasant surprise, came to know Christ after he was discharged. I say surprise because he cursed loudly, fought hard, chased women, drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated chapel services. A number of months ago, I ran into this fellow, and after we talked a while, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, You know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss in that old fellowship I used to have with all those guys down at the tavern, uh, the only thing I miss, I meant to say, the only thing I still miss is that old fellowship I used to have with all the guys down at the tavern. I remember how we used to sit around and let our hair down. I can't find anything like that for Christians. I no longer have a place to admit my faults and talk about my battles. Where somebody won't preach at me and frown and quote me a verse. Uh, A great friendship that I've read and seen, heard about for quite some times, is a friendship between someone named Trent Dilfer and Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, They met when they were both playing for the Tennessee Titans. Matt Hasselbeck is a Boston boy. Uh, Roman Catholic, and he met Trent Dilfer, who's evangelical Christian, and he really didn 't like him at first. he 's always talking about church and God and Christ and, and you know, Boston Roman Catholics a little more private about their, our religion, you know. Not only that, but Trent Delfer was always telling him, "You're not very good. That doesn't really build a, Great friendship in the beginning when you tell somebody, you're not very good. You throw a nice pass, but that's about it. And they were competing for the same job. But over time, they developed a friendship in Trent Dilfer's five-year-old son. This is, I think this was about 2007, if I remember right. His little son, Trevin, got sick one day. They didn't know there was anything wrong with him. Unknown to them, he had an unknown heart condition, and little Trevin died, and it devastated him. Trent gets a phone call one day from Matt, who's now playing for the Seattle Seahawks, and he says, "I want you need to come here. We need you in Seattle, and he was going to quit. He was not going to go back to football at all. He ended up going to Seattle, and he was depressed. He had started drinking. He had gained 30 pounds. He was crying himself to sleep every night. Depressed because God had failed him. And their son, little boy, had died. And he said the first night at training camp, he turns out the light, depression overwhelms him, and a knock came at the door. And there's Matt Housel back with his Sega Genesis. said, can I come in? And every night during training camp, He came in with the Sega Genesis and they played the hockey, NHL hockey, on Sega Genesis until Trent Delfer couldn't keep his eyes open and went to sleep. Trent Delfer said, Matt Hasselbeck, save my life. That's the power of friendship. And it may surprise you if you have been around the church for a while And you've read the Bible and you've heard preachers preach about Apostle Paul. I'm getting ready to do a series on Paul, but I'm going to talk about him today. I'm going to call this sermon, The Friends of Paul. It may surprise you what a relational man Paul was. Let's read a section of scripture. This is uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the the church of Kentria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord. In a way worthy of his people. And to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Aponidas. Who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jew, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachius. Greet Apelles and those in whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of our Aristobulus, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, greet those in the household of Trifosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has very, very, worked very hard in the Lord, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too, greet Ensycretus, Phlygon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with him, greet Philoges and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and the Lord's people who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge brothers and sisters to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in our way. They are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. How can you help but read that? Did anybody else but me get real impressed with how many people he could mention and mention personal things about them? Many of us who've grown up in church have brought in, bought into the false notion that Paul was a loner, a crank, someone who was better with ideas than people. Furthermore, he's been. We've been translated that we have translated that into thinking that awesome friendships weren't the mark of a true, mature Christian. We've almost believed that the mark of a true, mature man of God was stoicism, and aloneness, and wanting to live in a monastery with a, a vow of silence. You heard about the story: the guy who went to the. Silent monastery, and they got to speak once a year, and they would get called in for the annual review. And they could speak two words. First year, he goes, Bed hard. Second year, food bad. Third year, work hard. Fourth year, I quit. As the supervisor said, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done is complain ever since you've been here. <laughs> Paul was not, would not have been at home in a silent monastery. Perhaps this is why we write books about marriage. This, this is a, this is, we write books about marriage. We write books about parenting. We write books about evangelism and church ministry teams and success in church ministry teams and staffs. And translating scripture into business relationship success, but not a peep about friendship. I can't even think of one book that anybody's written about being a friend. Now, today's sermon, as I said before, is not about getting rid of friends that don't measure up, but cultivating and negotiating awesome friendships. Friendships. The great Apostle Paul in Romans 16, as well as many other places, makes it clear that we're not, we not only need friends, but we need to have certain types of friends in our life. We need to be a certain type of friend, and we need to cultivate a certain culture of friendship within our lives. We need friends who won't let us down. Galatians 4.15, I can testify, Paul said, that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Paul cultivated friendships with people who wouldn't, would have torn their eyes out and given to him, which leads some people, some people believe this is uh, Paul saying that he had problems with his eyes. Some people believe that was his thorn in the flesh that he talks about in the book of 1 Corinthians. I don't know. It may have just been an expression, a colloquial expression, like someone says, I would give my right arm for you or something like that. He would give you the shirt off his back. It might have been that kind of thing. I don't know. But the, the, Paul made sure he had people in his life who wouldn't let him down. And he was the kind of friend who wouldn't let you down. Did you see back in Romans 16 how many people that Paul looked up, found, knew about? Knew about their weaknesses and strengths. And he doesn't talk about their weaknesses in that he only talked about their strengths. We'll get, talk about that later. Proverbs 25, 19 says, Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. I just want to challenge you today. If you know that you struggle in the area of faithfulness, you struggle in the area of showing up day after day and time after time. If you struggle to show up for other people, I want to give you an assignment to work on that today. I want to give you an assignment to say, I'm going to become a person who's going to become dependable. Dependable in my attendance, dependable in my attention, okay? Since the, the purpose for friendship isn't to manage crisis, crisis is a test of friendship. When trouble and trials come to your life, your fake friends will flake out, but your real friends latch on for the right, I'm telling you. We crave friends who aren't quitters when life gets hard or even boring for that matter. Some people come in, they're, they're really, well, things are exciting and the honeymoon's going on, but, but then things get boring and normal, then they go. You heard about the two guys that were out hunting and oh, a grizzly bear shows up. One guy starts wrestling through his backpack, getting or rummaging through his backpack and getting his sneakers out and putting them on. And the other guy said, what are you doing? You can't outrun a grizzly bear. And he said, no, but I can outrun you. There is a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. And that verse is not talking about Jesus. For years I've heard preachers say, that was Jesus. But that verse is not talking about Jesus. That verse is talking about the type of person who is loyal. The type of person who's going to be there for you. Paul the Apostle had what Gordon Lightfoot termed rainy day people. That's a great song, right? Rainy day people always seem to know when it's time to call. Rainy day people don't talk, they just listen till they've heard it all. Rainy day lovers don't lie when they tell you they've been down like you. Rainy day people don't mind if you're crying a tear or two. If you get lonely, all you really need is that rainy day love. Rainy day people all know there's no sorrow, they can't rise above. Rainy day lovers don't love any others that would not not be kind. Rainy day people all know how it hangs on their peace of mind. Most, about 95% of that song is, is Bible, right? I'm not sure. We're more self-absorbed now. I know friendship is difficult. And I know that as I talk to this room, I know that many of you have um, friendships that are not in good shape right now. And I know that many of you are, some of you, I don't know many, but some are you're lonely and you don't have a lot of friends at all. May, there may be people this morning that feel like you don't have a single friend in your life. By God's grace, we have to fix that. That's, that's not God's will. And, and you're not the only one responsible. We all have to do something about that, right? I'm not sure that we're more self-absorbed than previous generations, but technology and mobility definitely give us more options to move away from people when things get needy. It's easier to hide from one another than it was in previous cultures because of our technology. We can hide in our technology and our phones and our devices. And our, you know I, I can drive home today and pull into my garage, shut the door, and not even have to see my neighbors. I wanna, uh, we're going to practice some fellowship here today. So... Um, I'm going to, we're going to practice on so this. I'm going to throughout sermon, I'm going to have you have a couple of questions you can ask one another. So you can ask, uh, turn to your right or your left. I want you to ask this question because I want you to get to know your neighbors today. Do you prefer to communicate versus, ver, via phone, text, email, landline, or in person, or not at all? Let me ask it again. Do you prefer... To communicate via phone, text, email, landline, in person, or not at all. Okay, you ready? Go for it. Oh, second part of that question. Excuse me. Hey, I'm up here. I'm in charge. Second part of the question is Why? You know, guys, guys, I've been working too hard. You guys didn't want to hear me. You want to talk to each other. I'm going to, life is going to change around here, man. I'm going to, we're going to start having interactive services. We all need friends who won't let us down. We all need friends who won't bring us down. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me, encouraged me, is another translation, and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Do you have some friends that refresh you? Do you have some people that encourage you? Do you have some people that make you levitate out of the room after you spend time with them? Are you a person who does that for anybody else? Job says to his friends when he was down and needed to be lifted up, in chapter 16, verse 1, I've heard many things he said like these miserable comforters are you all. How many have some friends like that? You know, some people won't let us down. They're always there, but they just always bring us down. (laughs) I'm going to be maybe a bit negative about this person, but in the end, positive. You know, there, there are at least three types of downer friends. There's Debbie Downer. We all remember her? Debbie Downer. She goes to the wedding, and the wedding's... And people at the table, isn't this beautiful? And she reminds everyone that most marriages end in divorce. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and she mentions uh, the stomach bug that she's probably going to have to leave the table soon because she has a, a stomach bug. It's always about her. Then there's Paul the powder always in a really bad mood, always angry about something, always irritated at somebody. When they walk in the door, you know within minutes that you're going to hear a, a rant about somebody somebody that was on, on, on the turnpike driving or the boss at work or somebody. And, and then there's Dave the Diminisher. Christian psychologist Dr. Paul Meyer talks about Dave the Diminisher, though he doesn't use that term. I just made that up. He explains, perhaps you know some egotists. And we are, you, 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 yeah, you got a friend like this. but you, lo- you love them, though. Don't quit loving them. Remember what I said. Because you're like this sometimes, too. And I'm like this sometimes, too. Perhaps you know some egotists. The ones so full of themselves, they seem to have little room for you. Having a balanced conversation with them is impossible. Talking with them can be entertaining, but at some point you begin to feel drained from listening to their larger-than-life accomplishments. In all of their talking, they forget something critically important, asking sincere questions about you. It feels like you're not really an important part of their internal landscape unless they need you in some way. They can drain your energy because they tend to be so full of their ideas that their way of doing things has to be right. You have trouble getting your ideas and feelings validated. Life may be exciting because of the largeness of the egotist life, but it also can be very tiring they are right, you are wrong. They know everything, you are misinformed. They tend to stop, step forward and maximize their qualities while minimizing yours, making your head spin in the process. They make you feel crazy. You know, if you leave someone's presence and you always feel like you're crazy, you, you might be. So all, don't, don't, dis, don't discount that as a possibility that you are crazy. But it might not be you. It might be them. It might be them. So just, just, and again, you don't want to throw them overboard because these are some awesome people. These are some fantastic people. They, these are some incredibly gifted people. So you want to cultivate them. You want to negotiate a different type of relationship with them. So second question. I'm going to lose the service again. Ask your neighbor, why did you come to church today? I think I heard in unison to hear Pastor Phil preach. I think that's what I heard. (laughs) You know, probably some of you gave a very spiritual answer. I came to worship God. I bet some of you. (laughs) Okay, so we need friends who won't let us down. We need some friends who won't get us down. And we need some friends who won't split us up. Romans 16, 17. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. We read that right in our text. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man stirs up dissensions, and a gossip separates close friends. You know what, you know what good friends do? You know what awesome friends do? They connect you with other Friends. The 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 friendship circle gets bigger and did you notice and and we just read one one Paul's letter to one group of people, did you notice how and I, I was just blown away when I read it this this week as I was studying how big his friendship circle was, and you got you got the I got the feeling he could have gone on and on and on and on his Rolodex must have been this big. Did you notice also that Paul was a positive informer? He informed everybody how wonderful the other people in the group were. Let me ask you a question. Are you a negative informer or a positive informer about other people? I tell you one of the greatest habits you can develop is to talk behind people's back positively. Positively. That's one of the greatest habits in a great organization. Is you hear that people are talking behind your back, but it's all good. You say, "Well, that doesn't happen." Well, let's repent then. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, let's 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 make it happen. How many of you ready to make it happen? Amen. Amen. Now, Apostle Paul said some tough things in his letters, but he didn't write a letter to the Philippians about the Corinthians. About the, about, the, about the negative, I meant to say. He, when, when Paul wrote to Philippians about the Corinthians, he told the Corinthians, let me tell you, I'm just so thrilled. that They've got this generous offering prepared for the saints in Jerusalem. I'm, I'm, in fact, here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 9.1, or 2 Corinthians 9.1, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. He's writing to the Corinthians now. For I know your eagerness to help now, now now keep in mind that Corinth had not met their pledged on schedule. They had they were still holding on to the money that they had promised, but notice how Paul communicates to the Philippians about the Corinthians. He didn't say those Corinthians are driving me crazy. They don't do what they say they're gonna do. Da, 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 da. You just feel that spirit that takes over you when you start eating someone out. He says, he says, I know your ears help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. I've been telling the Macedonians that you are the people, that you are the deal, man, that you are generous. And because, and, and, see, uh, uh, Corinth was a, was a prosperous town. It was a very affluent community, so they had the money. I mean, it was like uh, it was Dover. It was it was Wellesley. It was Newton. It was, you know, it was Greenwich, Connecticut. It was it was it wasn't it wasn't Menden. All right, and <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing pretty good here, by the way. I know your eagerness, to, I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and A- A- Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. See, when Paul learned that the affluent Corinthians weren't forthcoming about giving the money they'd promised to the poor saints in Jerusalem, he didn't write the Philippians about how stingy they were, but Paul protected the network of his friends from toxic gossip. He only told on people on rare occasions when they became extremely dangerous, dangerous and only after he had told them to their face. If you're splitting people up, there's probably reasons for that. It may be that's just a habit you probably learned from your childhood. Your mom and dad probably talked bad about your siblings. Or you fear insignificance and you view others as competition. Or you're in a relationship where negative reporting gets rewarded. You know the old Soviet Union? One in three were informers because informing was rewarded. That's that's why they killed, they murdered twenty million of their own people. Stalin signed personally forty-one thousand death orders. It was all people who had been informed. You could, you could be informed on for not, for, for not clapping at a Stalin rally. Not, not, only for not, not only will you be informed if you didn't clap at all, you could clap, but if you didn't clap long enough, people were executed because they didn't clap long enough. And somebody told on them. Bad, bad climate. You don't want that kind of culture. You don't want it in your work. You don't want it in your church. You don't want it in your home. Or you're being manipulated by dark forces that come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Don't be the tool of Satan to split people up. Amen? That's a good time to say amen. Think of the people that you know who are good people. I want to give you an assignment. Take, think of the people you know that are good people. They're flawed people, like me and you. But they're good people. And I'm commissioning you to start being an informer of other people's goodness. How many will take that assignment? Okay, i got another question for you. You can ask one another. Who was your best friend as a child, and do you know what they're doing now? Turn to your friend and ask him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this is a revolution today. You're watching Revolution in my ministry. I did not know... That I needed to talk le- so much less. I mean, I've had people tell me I need to talk less, but I need to talk a lot less. And um, I, I'm just gonna—I'm gonna retire, and no one's even gonna know it. It's because you know, you're gonna be talking to each other. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I think you know. I, I'm making a joke of this, but I think what, what's happening in this room—it should be very instructive to us. Somebody over here got it, because they said yes. Who was that? Who said yes? It's Yeah, Judy, Judy. Judy Watson. Very instructive. We're hungry for this. We're hungry to know each other's stories. In fact, it's one of the great American, uh, um, I heard someone on a podcast talking about this. So it's, one, it's, it's one of the great distinctions of America, is Americans live a narrative life and we know our stories. Almost everybody in this room knows your story and everybody, and I don't mean this in a bad way either or an egotistical way, the way we live life in, this, in, this, in America is we, we're all the stars of our own movie. And that, that's not a bad thing. But we we're often don't ask these questions. So it's good. It's a good thing that's happening this morning. Okay, finally, we want to close with this. We need friends who won't let us go astray. This is really critical because you can have friends who make you feel good. And that's, that's a good thing, by the way. We all have a, need people who make us feel good. But we have to judge the character of a friendship as well. And Paul says this in, two, in Galatians chapter 2. One of his best friends was Simon Peter. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he was clearly in the wrong. Did did Paul love Simon Peter? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, he proved his love that when Simon Peter was really wrong, and Simon Peter was being two-faced because he was hanging out, he was hanging out with the Gentile Christians and, and being a part of their life. And but when the Jewish believers came around who who, who thought that it was wrong to hang out with the Gentiles and didn't believe the Gentiles could be saved. When, when those people came along, Simon Peter quit hanging out with his Gentile friends and just hung out with the Jews. And Paul caught him and told him to his face, a real friend won't always tell you what you want to hear. It's really one of the major tests of a true friendship. is when that friend will tell you something that you don't want to hear, and that you're not comfortable with, or reveal and open up to you a blind spot. And you may even deny it at first. I've denied many times people have told me things. I've denied it, but then later. So, so don't ever judge an encounter by maybe your friend gets mad at you and all at first. A lot of times, it's very hard to admit we're wrong. It's very hard for anybody, most people admit that we're wrong. And uh, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that truth is usually negative the first time you hear it. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? So, awesome friends aren't the people who always tell you what you want to hear. The scripture says, in fact, in Proverbs 29 5, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Yesterday, I uh, got together with Steve Mograss over here. We are having coffee together and um, talking about stuff. And I, I dared to tell him my exercise, exercise routine at the gym. <laughs> You're laughing. Uh, he doesn't have a really tight-fitting shirt on today, or I'd have him stand up. And, uh, uh, but, but he's pretty well-defined, you know. And uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even take a breath. He said, you're doing it all wrong. You shouldn't be doing those exercises first. You shouldn't be doing this, this, this before you do this, this, and this. And I knew. I knew when I said it. I knew before I said it, uh, he's going to tell me I'm doing it all wrong. Boy, that's a friend who will tell you what you're doing is all wrong. Even if they're wrong about you being wrong, right? Even if they're wrong about you being wrong, that's someone who loved you enough to risk rejection. And that is one of the that might be the highest form of love, if when someone will resist will will, will risk. Rejection. Okay, one more question, and and, and this this shouldn't take as long for you to ask one another. Okay? Are you staying for the barbecue? Ask your neighbor. (laughs) So You're having a five-minute discussion about that. (laughs) I think you're talking about other stuff. (laughs) We used to sing... What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I want to I want to I want to close with Paul's very best friend. The best friend that Paul had was named Jesus. The foundation of your relational life needs to be Jesus. Jesus will forgive you of your relational sins that you will commit. That's why relationships can be hard. Jesus will give you relational grace. Jesus will model awesome friendship qualities in every way imaginable. When you don't know how to be an awesome friend, you got four gospels and epistles that tell you all about Jesus. Go study Jesus. Jesus will also temper your expectation and soften the blows when disappointment inevitably happens in a friendship. You need some place to go when everybody walks away. Perhaps most important is the, that Jesus is the very best focus and priority of a friendship. If our friendship circle revolve, circles, if they revolve around Jesus and exist to glorify Jesus above all, we won't devour a relationship with our lust which is what we naturally do. We used to sing, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Well, that is a fact. And that will make your relationships with people last if your satisfaction ultimately comes from Jesus and not from them. They can't take the pressure. (laughs) But Jesus can. I said they can't take the pressure. Of never letting you down. Never getting you down. Never disappointing you. Maybe they can't even take the pressure of never accidentally leading you astray. But Jesus can handle the pressure. So put it on him. I said put it on Jesus. And be a friend to your friends. Well, uh, we're going to pray, and after prayer, I'll give you some really brief instructions. Father, sanctify our friendships. Forgive us where we fail to be a good friend, even in those, even in our marriages and our workplace, where there are those relationships have a friendship architecture to them as well. So, forgive us where we failed. Affirm us where we're getting it right, though. Confirm our proper direction in the area of friendship. And may we ultimately be like Jesus in being able to, as Jesus said, No greater love hath no man than he who would lay down his life for his friends. Deliver us from this this flighty, individualistic culture. That we don't stick with people. And we just go in for the honeymoon. And then when we need to start being married, we run away. And we go have a honeymoon at another group of people. In another group of people. And we tell every group, they're the greatest. And we leave behind people, human beings, souls. God, let us conquer that instability of God that's in the social fabric of America today. And let us restore the unity of the faith. Let us restore community. And let us restore the unity of communion in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we're going to have barbecue right now. So we're, we love our prayer partners, by the way, and our, our, our response time. And I know we've had a few weeks away from it. Don't worry. We're going to get back to it. It's a really, to me, a very sacred thing we do here is to pray and have communion. But we've had a, some things have come up, and I think they're, they're the right things. We should do it. So uh, we didn't, do we need to pray over the food? I, I get lost at this part. But do we need to pray over the food? Huh? What? I don't, I don't understand that. St- cards. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I knew there was something. Steve, you're supposed to handle this for me. <laughs> no, that card's very important. Thank you so much. I knew there was something, and that's why I wasn't dismissing you. That card is your discussion guide. I want you to ask those five questions. Ask people those five questions, many people as you can. And I want you, here's your assignment. You have to invite someone to have lunch with you next week. You have to inv- Now we're going to have a we're going to have a reveal meeting, so remember that. that we're going to have the reveal meeting, so some of if you want to stay behind for the reveal meeting, say we're going to go to the reveal meeting. Make sure you include that in your schedule and then we're going to go to wherever, McDonald's or Wendy's or to my, to your house. We're going to have some chili, right? <laughs> God bless you. Go to the barbecue.